everyone. Welcome back to the Sometimes Technical Podcast with four friends exchange notes on life. I'm James. I'm Grant. I'm Shadrach. And I'm Drew. All right. This week, we're going to talk about uh, something a little tricky to talk about. In the past, we've talked about kind of identifying the strengths, things like that. Today, we're going to talk about weaknesses. Um, and so I just wanted to start by asking you guys, uh, tell me a story about a time you've realized you were bad at something and, in, in any context. I have one. Um, I think it was in third grade and everyone got like a little, I don't know, like a little flyer saying like free karate lessons at like the county um, uh, recreation center. And so I was like, oh, that sounds fun. Like I've always wanted to try karate. Uh, And so I show up and they're like having us like run these like drills like we're just like running over stuff and like trying to do like different moves and like I think it was just like a like there were probably like 15 of us just like trying it out because you get like a free class anyway I just was like not jiving with like running the drills or like doing like the little positions like the hand movements and stuff and I was just like I'm not good at this and I don't like it um, and so I think halfway through, I w- really wanted to like go home, but I was not bold enough at like eight to be like, I'm done. And so I just like suffered through the next half of the class, just like not liking it at all. Um, ever since then, I've, uh, never gone back to karate. So that's a weakness of mine. All right. So I dredged up a pretty good, good memory for this. So, when I was a kid, um, my dad always wanted us to go golfing with him, and I never wanted to go um, because I wasn't interested in golf whatsoever, and I'm even still not particularly interested in golf. Um, but the thing that most turned me off was the only thing I was interested in was the golf carts and my dad was cheap and so he would walk. And so I was like, yeah, this is not really, there's nothing for me in this sport. Um, but one time when we were visiting, uh, my mom's family, he was going to play with them and he invited me to go as like the fourth, uh, fourth guy. I'm sure whoever was supposed to be the actual fourth fell through. Um, but so it was me, uh, my dad, my grandpa and my uncle, and they actually got golf carts. And so because of that fact, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go. Um, and I went into this thinking, like, I'm going to figure out how to drive the golf cart because that's, like, all I care about out of this experience. So I um, I don't know if I, like, asked my dad or if he kind of knew that I would want to do that, but he was like, all right, I'll let you drive the golf cart. I think you're probably up for the task and so 
I want to go in the golf cart with my grandpa, you know, so that seems like kind of the funnest thing. So we're, we're going and, uh, we get set up in the golf cart, me and my grandpa, and he's kind of explaining to me driving the golf cart. And he's like, the one thing that you need to be conscious of here is the brake and the gas are the parking brake and the gas are on the same pedal. I don't know. Have you guys ever driven golf carts? Like, do you know how this is the thing? <clears throat> so Grant for you shook your head. No, like when you put the parking brake on, it's like a section of the gas pedal is the parking brake that you step on. It's a horrible design, actually. I don't know who came up with this. <laughs> um, but so the thing is, so you step on that to put it on, and then to take it off, you step on the gas pedal. But it's like, you have to step on the gas pedal and like pop the parking brake off, and then like deal with the gas pedal separately as the gas pedal now. Super weird. So I'm probably like, eight to 12, that age range. range. <clears throat> Never really driven anything like this in my life. Um, and he tells me this thing, whatever, it doesn't seem too hard. So, um, I guess just right out of the gate, like a couple holes in, I managed to run over his foot. <clears throat> and so that's not great. Um, and so I think because my dad's thinking like, gosh, this is my father-in-law. I can't be like putting, putting him at this kind of risk. He's like, all right, we're doing a cart switch up. And so I go in the cart with my uncle and I start kind of getting the hang of it and things are going okay. We play like several more holes, um, handling it all right. Um, and so I'm feeling pretty darn good. And then one of the holes, we're getting ready to go drive to the next hole. My uncle hops in and I'm like, all right, I think that I'm like advanced enough now that I don't need to like really be careful about this parking brake thing. And um, so I go to pop the parking brake off and I just accidentally floor it. And the, the wheel happened to be turned like all the way to the left at this point. We just veer off the path and like into the woods <clears throat> next to the hole and like, I just like beach the golf cart up on like a, a berm amongst a bunch of trees. And, uh, <laughs> and my uncle's just like, all right, nope, nope. That's, that's going to be it for today. And I was devastated. That was all I cared about out of that experience. And apparently I was horrible at it. Probably that weighed on me for a while, man. I, yeah, it's <laughs> rough. Well, I am happy to report that they don't currently have the parking brake now on the gas pedal. It is uh, it is officially on the brake pedal now, at least since I started golfing. Um, so maybe the world learned from your mistakes. Thank you for That's making the nice. sacrifice, Drew. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you, Drew. Man, that was really Drew. What? I know I was I, I was saying it, it's really ironic because uh, Drew your experience is about like 
realizing you're bad at driving a golf cart. Uh, mine was realizing I was bad at driving a car. Um, so like, you know, you get your license, like it's a kind of rite of passage. Like you get your permit, you get your license, big deal. You can drive your friends, things like that. Um, I think, I don't know which of you guys know this, but, uh, so like I walk into my permit test, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really cocky. You know, I studied, failed the permit test. Um, go back a bit more humble, pass the permit test. Fine. So I got my permit now. Um, and from the time I got my permit to the time I got my license, it took three years and three attempts at my driving test. And and the, here's the funny thing. The third time I took the test, well, here's the funny thing. So I failed the first one because I, I messed up the hand signals and then I really messed up the parallel parking. The second time I failed because I stopped in the middle of the intersection, um, which was not not good. The third one, so so the only reason I passed my third time, I should have failed. And I'll tell you why I should have failed. I, I passed the third one because the guy who gave me the test happened to be um, the uncle of these guys I was really close with on the wrestling team, and he had recognized my last name or something, and we started talking as we were taking the test. And he kind of seen that I'd failed two attempts already. I think it was feeling really bad for me because on my third test, I went up onto the curb and backed down. Like turning out of the DMV, I hit the curb, went up it, and back down. Um, and I passed <laughs> that one somehow. Um, but uh, it was like a really humbling, really embarrassing experience to be like 18 and still working on my trying to get my driver's license because I was so abysmally bad at driving. Um, so yeah, that, that, that weighed on me for a little bit. Uh, but, uh, wait a second. Yeah. What did Jacob get his driver's license before you? No, Jacob did not. Jacob actually failed his driving test. He failed his permit test once. Um, it, it took three Wangler kids before someone passed their permit on the first try. Wait, wait, um, you have a permit test and a license test? Yeah, so at least in Massachusetts, you get your permit at 15 and a half, right, Drew? Something like that. And then I think so. You can get your license at 16 if you drive a certain amount of hours. I didn't get my license until I was 18. <laughs> Again, not a great driver. Um, oh, oh I, we can we can talk. The one time I drove with you. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm just kidding. When did we? Drive? I'm just kidding. It was when you, oh, was you you had bought that Mazda from like your uncle or something. Um, uh, you, had yeah. it like, you had it for like a week. Uh, yeah. And the first time That's we fine. took it out, it was clear that you hadn't driven in months. So <laughs> the, I hadn't driven in months, uh, except for driving your car, Shadrach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, wait. So, so James. So actually, so Emma got her driver's license before you. That's what you're saying. It, well, Emma, Emma did get her driver's license for me. Emma is my younger sister, but Emma also holds the Wait. kid record for a number of um, uh, car accidents caused. So uh, I wouldn't say oh, the yeah. system. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say the system works personally. Wait, she didn't actually get it before you, though. No, she got she it at an earlier no, she didn't age. Actually, she didn't get hers. Yeah, she got hers at a much earlier age, but has also cost more in our insurance than than any other Wangler kid. I've never gotten in a car accident. 
not counting the incident, like during my driver's license with the curb, but, um, and the house. Not the counting the people stuff. that you, you just, you know, mauled on the freeway. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so the second one, anyway, sorry. Yeah. Trevor, go ahead. This is pretty severe, man. I feel like we should talk about this more, but I, this is I don't pretty know how severe. Much... It's like some sort of genetic. Like, yeah, this what's is like going a on? Thing. Did you? How long did it take your parents to get their driver's license? I have, well, they I were back no in the idea. day. I mean, just, you just said, "Hey, I'm old enough," and they say, "Okay, here's your license, probably." Right. My my dad's a really good driver, but he also went to like the FBI driving academy to like become an agent. Um, they've never gotten in like a car accident um my mom's gotten one speeding ticket while i was in the car and that was pretty funny uh but my parents are like both like pretty good safe drivers um it's just just generation so your grandparents were yeah actually that's pretty accurate (laughs) that's funny i never thought about that Hmm. maybe there's a maybe i need to do a paper on this hmm that's fun. Oh, I'm also glad that Drew stuck with the golf carts. Um, the Mini Cooper is as close as you can get to a golf cart. So <laughs> I think that inspired him and kind of carried him a little bit. Yeah, well, actually, I was. we'll have to talk about it another time just for the sake of time. But I actually have a pretty pretty horrifying driving story about the Mini Cooper. Yeah, little you guys did you all know. Little did you all know, the parking brake on the Mini Cooper is in the same spot as the golf carts. So, no, uh, no, this one, in this case, the issue was first gear and reverse are right next to each other and indistinguishable in a Mini Cooper. Uh, <laughs> so you can you can extrapolate that out. Anyway, Shadrach, what do you got? Oh, nothing crazy. Y'all told some some pretty great stories. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to jump back to when I was about 15, 16 or so. So, so I had, I had a lot of jobs growing up. Um, I was just obsessed with making as much money as possible. So I was bouncing from job to job, trying to find the best pay. And, um, so one of my best paying jobs was Dairy Queen. I, uh, I used to, I used to work at Dairy Queen and I, was the ice cream guy then i was the grill guy then i was the shift manager guy when i was 16 years old so i was like doing pretty well you know climbing the ranks of dairy queen um and i was like two steps away from owning my own franchise um but uh no what i did was i started listening to people talk about like working on jobs that they actually love to do and i was like you know what I don't really like it at Dairy Queen. I like getting paid as much as I do. I don't like it. So I decided to leave Dairy Queen and go work for, at the time, my favorite restaurant slash fast food joint ever, which was Jimmy John's. And um, to this day, Jimmy John's is my favorite sandwich by far. This is not a sponsored ad or anything like that, but uh, this is, I love Jimmy John's with a fiery passion. Um, however, you're not allowed back in there. However, okay, yeah. So most people say that you shouldn't work at a fast food restaurant because then you find out how they make the food and then you're disgusted, then you won't ever eat there again. Um, 
uh like there's horror stories of taco bell and like uh everything and so anyways we don't have to get into any of that but so i was a little nervous going to work with jimmy john's and when i first started working there um they they just made me clean everything um and it was because on my resume my first job ever was a janitor so they <laughs> i they saw that on my resume and they were like oh yeah cool and so they made me clean everything and they basically said that i had to like train to be on the line to make the sandwiches um so eventually i got up to the point where i could like slice the meat for them and do the drive through but i wasn't allowed to do the sandwiches because they have high standards they're freaky fast okay they you got to be able to within a second know every ingredient that goes on the sandwich and then just start pumping and these guys uh, are freaks of nature they are they're freaks of nature they're just units the definition of you know just apex predators um they're insane so Basically, I just kept watching these guys like they were, you know, Olympians on a gold, you know, getting gold medals, just going crazy. Um, also, okay, this is totally side note. I'm kind of getting sidetracked. But did you know that Jimmy John's holds an annual event every year where other Jimmy John's restaurants get to come together and compete to see who can make the sandwiches faster? So it's like this whole competition, uh, you know, you whip up your best team and you bring them to this. Anyways, it's kind of fun. Um, I never cool. went, obviously, but yeah. So basically I, uh, I remember the first day that they decided to give me a shot um, on the sandwich line. <clears throat> and um, I, uh, I absolutely dropped the bread. Uh, not like physically or, you know, actually dropping the actual bread. I meant like drop the ball, the metaphorical, but drop the bread pretty hard. Um, and so I messed up the first sandwich and then they're like, it's okay. It's okay. You got it. Just, and then they started coaching me through it. And, you know, I, I, I had memorized the, uh, the sequence and everything I'd memorized what goes where, but the moment they started looming over my shoulders, everything went out the door. I forgot it all. I was like, so they would tell me a sandwich and I'd be like, uh, I would freeze. I, I, I didn't know what to do. And until they were like, until they took over. Because the whole idea is to have the sandwich ready by the time that they check out. So it's, it was go time. Anyways, um, since then, that one moment, I was never allowed to touch the sandwich line again. Um, never made it. I uh, went back to slicing meat and doing the drive through and handing people their sandwiches so about three or four months into this i uh i quit and i went back to dairy queen and uh <laughs> was the ship manager at dairy queen for a long time <laughs> back where you belong what back where you belong yeah yeah so um yeah you know just jimmy john's it wasn't my calling i uh i wasn't amazing at it and so um, but to this day, still my favorite sandwich. I don't hold it against them. Um, you know, I, I respect them for, for holding me back because it allowed me to grow in other ways. So Put that on a shirt. Yeah, exactly. Love Dairy Queen. I oh, think, uh, um, the, the thing that I'd love to, uh, pull out from this story is actually how you started. Um, you said 
I just want to know how sincere you are with the with this, like preface. Did you actually move to Jimmy John's because you thought it was important to do some work that you're passionate about? <laughs> Please tell me that's true. Let's cut this part out. Um, let's move on to the the actual subject of today's episode. Um, so the subject today's episode is doing work. No, hold on, hold on. All right. And uh... um, <laughs> yes, I moved to Jimmy John's because I I thought I would. Yes, All right, I'm not. I'm a, yeah. I yep. freaking love that. Jimmy John's. I because I loved the sandwiches and I thought I I loved the environment inside. So I was like, wow, this would be such an amazing place to work. I could live here. Um, and I was like basically deciding, you know, I wanted to open up my own franchise and like this is gonna be my career. But uh <clears throat> yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, hey, at least you got to I hope that makes glory. it into my memoir. Yeah, at least you got to bask in the glory of the elite sandwich makers for a few months, huh? Yeah, those units of men and women were uh, pretty awesome. The men and women on the front lines, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, November 11th is Veterans Day. November 12th is uh, Sandwich Maker Day. So say thanks to your sandwich makers, sandwich artists. Um, let's talk about Quiznos, actually. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, let's go. <laughs> uh, those are some great stories. Those are, I, we've got an eclectic, I feel like each one of those could be its own episode. Um, <laughs> but, uh, kind of turning this to a, a more applicable note, um, you know, we all, we've all made different career choices. We're all pursuing what we want to do. Um, and I think that a big part of like being successful is learning how to identify your weaknesses and, and then, you know, straight. And then, well, I guess here, here's a, a discussion point. Um, my, my thought process when I find out I'm bad at something is to either just bail on it <laughs> or, or, or try to like actively work and strengthen on it. Is that is that a is that a decision for you guys too? Do you guys try to like make that distinction? Like if I if I do something and I'm not good at it, I'll either have to be like, okay, is this worth my time to try to get good at it, or is this not worth my time? Um. Yes. That is, is that is, something is, you guys think about? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> not just me. But the the really the, the real decision is just like you said, like is this something that's worth pursuing to perfect or not? Cause like, I, like, I, I might've talked about this before, but you know, uh, in science there's, there's like dry lab work with computers and then wet lab work with uh, like chemicals and, and you're doing pipettes and, and kind of what you think of when you actually think of science. Um, and during undergrad, I was like, Hey, I need to really round up my application for MD PhD programs. I'm going to get started in a basic science lab, which is like one of these labs where you're, you know, you're in a lab coat mixing things up and my job was to do and i don't know why they they had me do this job to do zebrafish surgery so this is where you take zebrafish and you um and you 
take off, you just slice a tiny bit off their fin so you can look at their genome and see what kind of mutations they have. Because you're breeding zebrafish. There's a whole thing about, we're looking at heart development. So you knock out genes in zebrafish and, and you look at them. Um, but anyway, and so part of this is you had, it, like, you had this anesthesia you poured into the tank to knock the fish out. And I set our experiment back for like a month because I killed a whole tank of fish. Just like right off the bat with this anesthesia. Um, and in that moment, I was like, you know, I don't really enjoy this. <laughs> like, this is not what I think science to be. And uh, I, I'll be the first one that I bailed on it. I was like, look, I like coding. I know I can make a career doing medicine and science, code, like computer science. I just don't find an interest in this. I'm not good at it. And I fully bailed on it. Um, and it's not a decision I regret. <laughs> I wasn't good at it. I didn't like it. Uh, and I think my my career has been better because of that. Um, but yeah, I bailed. I bailed big time. Well, so you're um, you're going into anesthesiology, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys trust me to <laughs> anesthesiology. That's like a combination of 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 a car with all the delicate knobs and stuff, and and a and anesthesia. So that's not a not a combination of my strengths. I'll tell you that. All right, I have a story. Um, this is actually like a pivotal moment uh, where I like I got feedback and I kind of either could like ignore it or I could like actually take it and run with it. Um, so it was my freshman year of college. I was dating this girl um, just like I don't know how far we were into our relationship, but she said like, Grant, you're a know-it-all and you need to change that. Like she called me out um, and I was like, I didn't think I was a know-it-all, but like looking back, I could see like, maybe I was like, maybe sometimes I uh, had like a, an arrogant attitude just because I knew like a few more facts than someone about just some random subject. I don't know. In that moment, I kind of was like, that's a weakness I have. Um, and I, I kind of remember thinking like, well, no, she's like, maybe she's just being mean. Like maybe she's just like making this up. Uh, but then like, I, I knew she wasn't actually making it up and I knew it was like a weakness I had. Um, so I've tried to make like since then, like a conscious effort to never come across as like arrogant. Um, and that's something that I've had to like work on but I, I remember like th there was that choice of, do I just ignore this and think, take like, like just blow it off or do I actually like take it on and implement real change? Um, so anyway, that's one time, like I got like direct feedback about my weaknesses. So I thought that was a, an interesting experience. Well, Maybe that's not the best example for me to ask this question off of, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Cause like, I can imagine why it happened in this case, but what made you th think, all right, this is something to work on versus blowing it off. What was the decision process? Um, I just thought, you know, either I can have friends 
and I can have relationships or I can be um, like come across as smart or like a know-it-all or because um, I've, I've seen that. I kind of had seen that happen before where maybe I was trying to impress people. Um, I can't remember exactly. It seems um, I, I don't remember exactly what what my goal was but i remember thinking like i can either have friends and i can like you know enjoy those relationships or i can be right um so i i, I recognize she was right um because i could look back and see times when i was a know-it-all that's funny you bring that up grant because i was thinking back on because freshman years before obviously we knew you um and I was like, man, I don't think Grant was ever a know-it-all. Like, I don't remember ever thinking, oh, man, like, Grant's being a know-it-all again. So that, that's cool that, you know, you were able to turn that out. I'll say that uh, something that you guys helped me realize was a weakness of mine, something that I had to make an active effort to correct was, uh, <laughs> as many of you can attest, sometimes I take uh, things too far, <laughs> like like jokes or, or, or bits. Um, there was a particularly memorable incident at an ice rink with Drew that I still regret. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it, and like, and when I realized that, you know, it was like a realization of, you know, I, you know, I, I thought the pranks were in good fun. I thought they were, you know, strengthening my relationship with people, but, you know, it was a switch of being like, okay, like I need to consider that like other people may not view this the same way I do. Um, especially when they're, I'm getting like, I can see their body language and they're not having a good time. Like that's, that for me was something I had to like start really paying attention to. Um, and so that was something I like, I was like, okay, like body language, <laughs> like learn and, and, and growing up, my parents would always, uh, in somewhat frustrated tones, tell me, learn to read annoying them or something. Um, that's something I'm still really, I still like struggle with still really try to focus on is like in situations um where people are having a good time whatever and we're joking things like that like learn to read people and see who's not having a good time especially if you've been going on with the same bit for like 10 minutes <laughs> you, know, like, you know something might need to change um and that was something that i hadn't really thought about until i you know became best friends with you guys um and saw the effects of this um but uh yeah, feedback. It's 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 not a pleasant experience to 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 realize you're bad at something or to realize that your way of thinking is not correct. Because uh, I'd always thought, oh, everyone loves pranks. People, this is fun. Like people love being forced to do things they don't want to do. Um, not the case for the majority of people. Not the case. Um, and that was kind of a a difficult moment and like a difficult like, oh wow, like there's this dichotomy <laughs> there's this other view i'm not embracing but doing so has has definitely benefited me immensely not only my career but just my personal relationships yeah well hey i still don't have that one figured out i always go too far i have it figured out always stop after the faraday cage comes out <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man <laughs> Oh. I, I, I see
feel like this might need a, a brief explanation. I know yeah, we're going a bit off topic, but this is this that is might need some context. The podcast. Um, so the context of that particular context. Hold on, James is not is, telling the story. He's gonna no. Let me, let me tell you from my point of view. I I had this TV show that I really liked, Malcolm in the Middle. Great show. Um, and uh, I was watching it one day and it kept like pausing and kept rewinding and like just doing all these weird, like weird things. And so I kept getting frustrated. I thought it was the remote because the remote talks to the TV and that's what you do. Um, and so I was like getting so frustrated with the remote. I kept putting it like I put it like in the back room still. It, would, it, it, keep, it kept messing up. Um, and it got to the point where I thought, hey, I'm a scientist. I know Faraday cages block these waves. And a Faraday, ca a Faraday cage is basically just like a container of metal. Um, I know a Faraday cage will block the waves of this remote sent into the TV. I'm going to wrap the remote in copper wire and then wrap it in foil, put it in a bread pan, and put it in the shower. Um, inside a pillow, out, I think, too. It was inside of a lot of things. <laughs> and I put that in the bathroom and it still kept happening. Um, and I didn't find out for like a week because the person who lived next to us told me about this because my roommates had been bragging about the prank they pulled on me that Shadrach was controlling the TV with his phone the entire uh, time. My turn. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am. Was any, there was nothing inaccurate about that statement. Uh, there was, I think there was some detail left out here. Um, but you're right. That was basically the story. So I'm sitting down. I, I think it was just James and me at first in the apartment. And so I'm, I'm sitting down eating food. James is starting his show and he's like all stuff. He's, you know, he's getting comfy on the couch. He's like, all right, let's do this. He's going to watch the show. And this was my Apple TV that was connected to the, to the TV. And so it's connected to my phone. And I thought it would be funny. Or I, I saw when he started it, the little display popped up on my iPhone with the controls. Like I didn't even open it. I just saw it. And I was like, huh, there's an interesting idea. And uh, so I just like pressed the back, like the skip back 30 seconds button. And, uh, and he was like, what the? <laughs> and I was like, what he's like oh I just jumped and i was like oh that's weird and uh so i just like played along and I, I would let it go for 30 seconds and then i would hit the back button again so i would try and do it at the same time every time so that like it like got to the same point in the show and then skip back and he so he would like think like oh something's weird going on with the show it's like not loading past this point and uh and then sometimes i would skip it all the way to the beginning and it would restart like the Whole Malcolm in the middle, like intro and everything. Um, and I just kind of like keep dragging it back with my phone as I'm eating. And it's just, it's sitting there. And like, you know, I could be doing stuff on my phone. And then if I swipe down from the upper left corner, the controls pop back up. So I could hide it pretty well. So if he stood up, I was just doing stuff on Instagram or something. Like, you know, it was pretty, it was pretty clean. And so he just like progressively, it was like a solid 10 minutes of him just like getting real frustrated with the state of the TV. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know what's going on. Like, this is so weird. Like, 
and he's he's visually like getting frustrated and he's uh, you know but James is he's not James is not like an explosive or like a angry person by heart like he really is like really pretty controlled but you can like you can tell when he's like starting to get kind of annoyed like um because you know he just becomes a lot more serious and like <laughs> uh, you gotta know James anyways um but uh yeah, eventually he just he's like, I have an idea. And he goes and he like finds, I don't know where he pulls this out of, but he finds copper wire. We're like, <laughs> we're 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 in a little two-bedroom apartment, and there's like we we have nothing to our names, but he somehow finds a coil of copper and is like wrapping it around. Uh, the, the coil of copper wire we found when we decorated the apartment, we bought uh an old filing cabinet. And turned it into uh-huh. a TV stand. And if I remember correctly, the wire was just in the TV stand. Uh, okay. And yeah. I had kept it because I was like, hey, this is cool. <laughs> this will be useful for a Faraday cage one day. It'll be useful for a Faraday um, cage. So he, he, he starts wrapping it. And I'm at this point, I'm getting concerned because I'm like, that's my Apple TV. That's my Apple remote. Like, I, what are you doing to it? <laughs> like, <laughs> are you going to break it? <laughs> and so he like does this. He wraps it in foil. And then it keeps skipping. He's like, wait, let me see if I can put it. And he puts it in this bread tin, keeps skipping, puts it in. Oh, then he puts it in the tub. And then I'm like, I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to so put remember, it in the microwave. No, no, that, that was after the tub. That was, oh, okay. I was like, I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to like, I'm going to let him think that this worked. Um, and so I let it go for like several minutes and he's like, oh, dude, it must've worked. And he's all feeling so proud of himself. He's like, I did it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and then like halfway through the show, I just skip it all the way to the beginning, um, and make it totally restart. And he's like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> and so then he goes and he sticks it in the microwave. Um, and I'm pretty sure, oh. At some point in time, Drew comes home during this and he's like witnessing the frustration. And I'm like trying to hint at him that I'm the one doing it and that I'm just like playing it cool. And so so Drew like plays it cool as well. He's like, oh, yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Like something's going on. Weren't you weren't you the one who suggested the microwave? I feel like someone suggested the microwave to James. I could be wrong. But and I think the only difference is that. I'm pretty sure we told you same day. I don't. I don't know if it was like a week because I think we told you same day so that you would no. I be able to sit you, down and watch. You didn't show. tell me. So we had a neighbor named Marcus who was on the dunk team with, and this was a Saturday that it happened, and this had happened kind of in the like early like morning, early afternoonish, and that night we went and played spike ball, or I went and played spike ball with Marcus and like his roommates, and. Marcus made a joke about me wearing a tinfoil hat. And I was like, that's oh. a weird joke to make. And he's like, oh, like your roommate, like I, I like I heard that you the roommates were messing, or like Shadok was messing with the remote on the TV. And it like clicked for me. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went back and I was uh, like, what the heck? Yeah, I know you didn't tell me. So, so, oh, go ahead, I, I, so the reason that Marcus made the joke about the tinfoil hat is because if you remember you were so determined on this that you contacted him and walked over to his apartment to borrow tinfoil as a component of the faraday cage and i i texted him after and i was like hey the reason that james is borrowing tinfoil is because we've got this prank going on 
And uh, I was like, but don't worry, we're going to try to end it with him wearing a tinfoil hat. <laughs> the, the best part about this, I think, is that when James went over, or when James told me what he was doing, and then probably when he went over to Marcus's when he told him what he was doing, it was the most casual thing to make a Faraday cage. Like, oh, yeah, I'm just making a Faraday cage. Like, you know, whatever. <laughs> I remember I had no idea what a Faraday cage was. I was like, what? But James was so casual about it. Like, oh, yeah, it was something we do all the time. And, you know, like a Faraday cage, you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just so sad the tinfoil hat never panned out, you know? Yeah, yeah. We should have. We should have pushed I, I it. Always, I always wonder what it would have taken to get me into the tinfoil hat. Um I will say, this is funny that we talked about, you know, uh, one of my weaknesses is kind of sometimes pushing things too far. And I think that comes from a tunnel vision. I get like a tunnel vision onto a, a joke. And this story perfectly <laughs> describes my tunnel vision. I was so focused on like the remote, like the remote is the issue. And I like, I never even considered, it was not even on my radar that it could be something besides the remote. Like it, it, when when Marcus told me that you guys had been like messing with the remote, it was like a shock. I was like, what? Like I didn't even consider that as an option. Um, but I was so tunnel vision focused on the remote being an issue. It was I wasn't even trying to be like it wasn't like I was playing along with the prank. Like I literally thought, okay, what's my best solution? Ah, can foil make a Faraday cage? <laughs> like that was and I, I like I was so closed off to other like if somebody had come over and been like, oh, like, do you think somebody's messing with the TV? I would be like, no, like, don't be stupid. Faraday cage. Um, I, I was so tunnel vision focused on it. Um, but yeah, what a story. That was that was a classic. Uh, that was a classic great moment there. Yeah, that was that was good stuff. Grant, were you ever home at that time? I can't remember. I think I remember witnessing like either while it was happening or like wondering where the remote was after. <laughs> Cause I think it was still in the bread pan for a while. <laughs> it was in the bread pan for a while. Yeah. Cause I shout out keep that radiation, radiation contained. contained. It was ingenious <sighs> to make me think that it had worked. Cause it's like, I was messing around, messing around, then made this homemade Faraday cage out of copper wire and, and tinfoil, put it in the tub and then it worked for like, it was, yeah, it was probably at least half the episode, like 15 minutes. And I was like, man, like, I'm so smart. I'm such a scientist. Shadrach sitting there eating his, eating his cereal, just crack. I don't know how you kept a straight face. Like, I don't, I don't know. Either. It, it there were a couple been, times that I was like ready to laugh pretty hard, but I was like, yeah, I don't and know. Again, <laughs> I was so tunnel vision focused on this remote that I probably wouldn't even notice if you started laughing. There was a point that I think I helped you. I was like, I grabbed the remote myself and was like, let me see if I can try and fix this. And I like restarted the app or something or whatever and like got it back. And then I had my phone in my other hand and I was like pressing the buttons and stuff. So I was like, you know, double agent over here. Um, so I think that helped, but <clears throat> yeah, it was, that was, that was a pretty good day. I think that that event made my day that day. I was like, all right, today was a good day. Um, so, so, yeah, huge sidetrack there. Sorry about that. It's a big sidetrack, but I am very interested in the question that James just like asked at the beginning of this, which was kind of it was something around do you try to fix the weakness? Was that Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, you know, 
when weakness has been identified through external or internal forces, you know, I, I try to make a conscious decision. Like, do I cut and run? Is this not worth my time? Or do I, you know, get crazy tunnel vision and build a Faraday cage? You know, like what's the, there's two paths here. Um, and I, and I wonder like what, so my question to you guys is what, what does that decision process look for you guys? Like, what is the, what are the factors you're taking into account there? Cause personally I take into account, is this going to like advance, is it worth like cost benefit analysis? Like is the, is the cost of getting good at this or fixing this weakness gonna um, outweigh the benefit of whatever I'll get? So like in the science thing, it was like, okay, is the, the cost of spending hours in the wet lab learning how to do this stuff worth the cost of me not doing computational research which I love. And I was like, not really. Um, so I left that lab. Well, actually I just moved to a computational project. Um, so that, for me, it's, it's a cost benefit thing almost every time. I think that's a decent way to look at it. I honestly have no idea. I, because the thing that most confuses me with this is you will find people who will advocate exact opposite points of view. On the one hand, you have the point of view that's just focus on compounding your strengths, and that kind of makes sense. <clears throat> on the other hand, you have people who say, honestly, humans are not very static in their capabilities, and if you just put on a growth mindset, you can, you can master anything. And they both sound true to me. Um, so I always am just wrestling with those two viewpoints and don't know how to reconcile them. I will say I think I end up defaulting to the growth mindset, like try to fix the strength point of view because that's attractive to me in some way. I don't know. I also think though that the things that we think are strengths are usually not strengths, but things that we've gotten signals that they're strengths, which turns them into strengths because we then start to enjoy doing them and want to invest more in them. And that's when the compounding thing starts to happen. I, in terms of like the opposing viewpoints of, you know, focus on your strengths, focus on your weaknesses, I think this is kind of a, you know, a, a cheat, a cheating answer, but it's like, it's so situation dependent in my opinion. And um, I think there's also very, there's varying amounts of commitment you can do. Like for instance, I, you know, in, during college, I was on the dunk team. I was the mascot for Brigham Young University, um, but I also really liked skateboarding. Uh, and Drew was a really good skateboarder. And so I would like kind of try to skateboard with him a little bit. And at one point I thought, okay, I enjoy this. Um, and I bet I could get pretty good at it if I practiced a ton. And then I realized that, you know, skateboarding tends to cause injuries. I was like, okay, I know I could get good at this if I kept at it. I said, but it's not worth getting an injury and ruining like the dunk team and, and being the mascot. And so I was like, look, I'm going to skate like every once in a while. I'm not going to purposely learn any crazy tricks because I don't want that risk. Um, 
which is kind of a weird, I guess, weird way to think about it. But, you know, I think that it's, it's just so situational. Like there's, there's, you can't set down a blanket statement of, oh yeah, like only work on your strengths, only work on your weaknesses. You know, there's, it's such a, a gray zone where it's, well, you know, it's up to you and you have to, re- you have to take into account that if you work on a weakness, your strengths are probably going to potentially suffer a little bit because you're not actively developing them. And then there's the, the side of, well, if you're, if you're focusing on your strengths, you know, it's probably a more pleasurable experience because you're already good at it, but you're going to be ignoring weaknesses, which could potentially get worse. Um, so it's definitely something I wrestle with too there. One thing that I, um, now that I'm thinking about this, like I, I never consciously thought about this, but I try and align like my goals and like what I want to improve with like my lifetime vision in like my career. Like, I don't know exactly what I want to do in 10 years, but I know I want to be successful and I, I know I want to um, be like an expert in whatever field I end up going into, or, you know, I want to be um, just, you know, on it. So, so I just, I want to learn the, the most I can in school. I want to do well, get good grades so I can keep my options open with relationships. Like I want to have healthy relationships. I want to develop, you know, a better relationship with my wife and then someday future kids and, and with you guys and with my family. Um, so I try and identify things that are in line with like where I want to be. Um, so that's kind of how, like, I, I didn't think about this until now, but I think that's kind of what, what I focus on. Is this going to help me get to where I want to be? Um, whether that's working on um, building up a strength or a we- uh, a weakness that, you know, I've identified. So I think that's kind of a principle that I've been operating by. Is this going to get me to where I want to be? I agree with Grant. That's kind of my, my analysis as well is just, does, is this something that I actually truly want to be a part of my identity down the road where I want to be in life? Like, does being a better sandwich artist, uh, you know, really impact me down the road? No, probably not. I mean, that's why I was like, you know, I'm not so dedicated to being the best, you know, Jimmy John's line worker in the world because, you know, <laughs> that's not what I want to, that does not contribute in any way, shape or form to my end goal. So like, I think that's where it comes down to it. Like, of course, I also do James, your method of like cost benefit analysis um but i think the more important one for me is 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 this actually what i want to be part of my identity um and if it's not or if it is then i do a cost benefit analysis of like okay you know or maybe if it doesn't need to be a primary part of my personality or my identity but maybe i want it to be still in my life so maybe that's when i'll do like a cost benefit analysis of like how much time, how much cost should I, you know, put into this, um, to, to have it just be relevant still. But I think, I think Grant's method is kind of the best way. Just, is this what I want to have people know me for? Is this what I want to be part of me, part of my legacy? Like, 
And at that point, that that kind of makes the decision really easy. In my head, at least. So to me, it sounds like we're kind of building a workflow here of of you run into something you're bad at, and that can be from external forces such as feedback that can be through self meditation and self reflection. And the next step we've kind of identified is, is to then just like, is it meaningful? Um, is this important to my future goals? Is this important to my identity as a person? And then the next step is to then cost benefit analysis of how much effort am I going to put into this? Um, and I think the cost benefit analysis can be shades of effort, right? There's something you want to get good at. It's not super important to get good at it at this moment. So you do a little bit. Other things are, okay, I've got to get this figured out now. You know, the the cost of learning is is nothing compared to the benefit of getting this. Like I'm going to put a ton of effort into it right now. Um, so as long as we've kind of figured out this three-step of identify the weakness, and and that comes from a variety of forces. Decide if it's meaningful, and then cost benefit to figure out what your effort level is going to be. Is that something you guys agree with? Yeah, I agree. I, that's a great summary. Yeah. So then, where do you go? Like, if if you have decided that this is something important to work on, how do you think about it? And where do you go from there? I think, and I was just thinking about, I think this is going to be an episode we should do in the future. Is I think it's then comes down to motivation and deciding what your motivation is going to be. Um, because there is a, a spectrum of motivation from, you know, getting good at something because you want to, getting good at something because you need to, um, doing something because other people said you can't do it, Um there's such a wide spectrum of motivations, but I do think the next step is like, okay, what is my motivation behind this? You know, I've, I've decided this is a weakness I want to work on. It's important to my identity or goals. The cost benefit analysis is telling me that this is something worth working on, you know, and then it's a step of, okay, like, is my motivation, what's it going to be? Like, what's the plan? And we've talked about making plans and setting goals in the past. Um, so it's kind of fun to see this all tie in together. Uh, but I would, I would love, I think this is a discussion for another day, but talking about those different kinds of motivation, what person motivates you to accomplish these goals and, or in this case, overcome these weaknesses. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that is worth talking about in, in like an additional episode because I know, but um, I, I also think, and maybe here, here's my thing. I think there's so much overlap to motivation, discipline, planning. I think there's so much like involved in that, especially I, I don't know where the lines are drawn. Um, but like, I think, uh, I think the next strategic move after deciding that this is something you want to do is kind of like to have just to like reverse plan. Uh, I don't know what the actual wording is called, but it's like you see where you want it to be, like what, how much it wants to be or how much you want it to be part of your identity, like how good you want to be at it. And then you say, okay, now what are the steps I need to take to get to that point? Like, okay, how, you know, how do I get to this? How many hours of practice do I need to put in, you know, to, to get to that point? Um, and then once you have that plan, then I think that's where like, okay, what's going to actually drive you to do that comes into play. Um, so I, I agree there, but. 
Yeah. I think there's no better note to wrap up on than that. Um, we're so thankful for you guys for listening along. Uh, just a reminder to always shoot us an email about other topic ideas you want us to discuss or any comments you have. Um, and we're so grateful for you guys. See you guys next week. Thank you.